0: Welcome to Misunderstood, a podcast dedicated to better understanding MS and learning to live well with MS. I'm your host, Katie Sloan. Our usual reminders as we begin. First, I am not an expert. I'm just a person like you, living with MS and trying to make the best of it. Misunderstood is based on my personal experience, what I've learned from my doctors, other care providers, and my own solutions-oriented research and pattern-finding obsession. While the majority of the information I share has been vetted by doctors, I am not a doctor. My intention is that you use the information shared here as a springboard for discussion between you and your doctor regarding your future care options. And lastly, MS impacts each of us uniquely. I hope to shine a light on a wide range of approaches and strategies for living better with MS. But what you choose to do with that information is always your choice. And what works for one may not work for all. Last episode, we explored hope and optimism, and spent a fair amount of time learning how to intentionally build a more optimistic approach to life and its many challenges, even if we're not naturally wired that way. I hope that if you are struggling with feeling as optimistic as you'd like, that you found the tools shared in the episode helpful. This week, we're going to explore a topic I'm incredibly fired up about, neuroplasticity, and using journaling as a healing tool. For today's gratitude, I want to first acknowledge my gratitude for myself, for knowing just how much cheery yellow daffodils brighten my days while we're still in the midst of a very cold winter, and for committing to planting more each year to fill the yard with happiness over time. Secondly, I want to thank the daffodils themselves, 12 blooms have emerged so far this year and each day it's a delight to go outside and see if any others have popped open their bright yellow exuberant trumpets and all around the yard there are literally hundreds of green shoots sprouting up from the bulbs below the promise of months of cheery blooms ahead soothes my soul and i can't help but smile in their presence Since I've shared the symbolism of daffodils in a previous episode, I thought today I would share William Wordsworth's poem about daffodils called, I Wandered Lonely as a Cloud, since he too encountered a profound, uplifting experience with daffodils. I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high o'er vales and hills, when all at once I saw a crowd a host of golden daffodils beside the lake beneath the trees fluttering and dancing in the breeze continuous as the stars that shine and twinkle on the milky way they stretched in never-ending line along the margin of a bay ten thousand saw i at a glance tossing their heads in sprightly dance The waves beside them danced, but they outdid the sparkling waves in glee. A poet could not but be gay in such a jocund company. I gazed and gazed, but little thought what wealth the show to me had brought. For oft, when on my couch I lie, in vacant or in pensive mood, they flash upon that inward eye which is the bliss of solitude. And then my heart with pleasure fills and dances with the daffodils. So good. My wish for us today, may we all be able to harness the unbridled joy daffodils bring whenever we need them by closing our eyes and imagining them shining brightly in our mind's eye. (laughs) As you likely gleaned in our previous episode on hope and optimism, I'm a bit of an optimist, both by nature and now more intentionally, as I strive to live well with MS. Just like there are ways to build optimism if we aren't naturally wired that way, there are ways to change other aspects of our health as well, and that's what we'll focus on today. As longtime listeners know, I'm a firm believer in Carol Dweck's mindset work. As an educator, I've experienced the magic firsthand, how malleable minds can grow and change over time in really exciting ways. I've experienced students growing from scoring below basic to advanced on standardized assessments in one school year, or from bully to bestie, or painfully shy to socially engaged in social emotional aspects just through simple mindset work. And as you can imagine, those shifts placed these students on dramatically different trajectories moving forward in their lives. In my early MS years, I used Carol Dweck's teachings to help me not only find my bearings post-diagnosis when I was suddenly feeling very unstable in all aspects of life, but to also help me pivot and orient myself toward finding solutions and strategies to help me live well with MS. If you're not a believer that we can change the way we think, I highly recommend reading Carol Dweck's work. And although it is geared mostly toward education, you'll easily find ways to utilize it in your own life. You can also learn more about mindset and ways to shift your mindset in Misunderstood Episodes 1 and 3. To further my mindset learning in a different way, I've spent the last 10 months researching all forms of neuroplasticity. We've talked a bit about neuroplasticity in earlier episodes, but to review so we're all on the same page, what is neuroplasticity? Neuroplasticity in its simplest form is explained as the capability of our brain cells to change over time in response to our behavior. Neuroscientists used to believe that our brains stopped developing in adolescence, but more recently they've discovered what is great news for us that we can continue to grow and change our brains throughout our lives. Yes, we old dogs can learn new tricks. So just like we can train our brains to respond to challenging situations or to approach life more optimistically, there are other ways we can shift our mindsets to a place of better benefit. We won't get into all of those benefits today, as that's way too much to focus on for one episode, but stay tuned as I will cover it all in upcoming episodes. Briefly here, I will share that I've been reading a lot about both physical and emotional pain in the context of neuroplasticity. And it turns out that just like our negative thoughts or worries can ruminate and cause us to be more pessimistic, a similar pattern emerges when studying emotional and physical pain. In looking at physical pain specifically, did you know that there are 44 different areas of our brains that work together to process our experiences and generate what we feel as actual pain? And when we get stuck in an unhealthy pain-fear cycle, this actually further increases the physical pain we feel. An upcoming episode will focus entirely on the pain-fear cycle of physical pain and the effective treatment of neuroplastic pain. But for today, we're going to shift into learning how writing, yes writing, can help us make some of these shifts. And get this, they work for all sorts of anguish, emotional or physical. Last year, I tested a bunch of different writing prompts from a wide range of sources. Some were written by neuroscientists and others by esteemed specialists focused on lessening anxiety, building resilience, improving inter and intra personal relationships, becoming better decision makers, finding calm in a busy world, improving cognitive ability, and releasing trauma and pain from the body and mind. To test these various approaches, I wrote at least four days a week for a minimum of 20 minutes. Oftentimes, it was a bit longer. While I goofed and didn't do any pre-assessments to accurately measure the impact of these exercises over time, quantitatively and qualitatively, I can definitely say without a doubt that I'm feeling a lot better than I was this time last year and am now also noticeably better at traversing times of adversity. The last few months of 2021 were quite challenging for me, and yet I was able to navigate them without any major MS flares, which was a huge relief and further built up my confidence knowing that I could still do hard things, even with MS. What that led me to want to do is to share these writing prompts with others. So in the past month or so, I've been organizing them into a course of sorts to test them out with a larger group. And today, I want to share a bit about that emerging scope and sequence and let you know how you can join me in this venture if you are someone who isn't quite where they want to be, whether physically or emotionally, and is willing to try writing about it, confidentially of course, to see what might shift. Before we get into specifics of the upcoming course offering, let's look at the science behind why writing works. When I first started exploring the intersection of neuroplasticity and journaling, my research was mostly focused on improving my mental health, specifically reducing my anxiety, but also my tendencies to worry and ruminate as someone living with an incurable progressive disease and searching for additional ways to build more resilience and release past trauma. Learning to do this was especially important to me since I come from a family of natural worriers and ruminators. And I've spent way too many years operating that way, which hasn't been very pleasant or led to good health for me. So I would like my future to be different. Much more common than journaling, most people rely on a variety of psychotherapies, medications, or relaxation techniques like yoga and mindfulness to improve their mental health. As we know, exercise and eating habits can also help improve our mental health. These are all wonderful, effective avenues to better health, and if you haven't tried them, I highly recommend you do. And yet, Just like our MS is unique to us, so too are our solutions. Like I say, every episode, what works for one may not work for all. Since the mid-1980s, more of a focus has emerged on writing as a healing mechanism. And in fact, even though early studies showed that it was necessary to write for 20 minutes a day for at least three to four days to produce noticeable changes... More recent studies have shown that even one day of writing for 20 minutes can positively impact our mood, sleeping habits, ability to sustain focus, and even our relationships with others. And when we write about pain or trauma that haunts us, even after writing about it only once, Research shows that we are less likely to have it hold as much power over us. And in fact, one study where participants were asked to write about their trauma, results showed that post-study doctor visits were reduced by 43%. How can this be? Well, writing about our hardships has biological, psychological, and behavioral impacts. Let's look first at biological effects. Several research labs around the world showed that writing about hardships enhances our immune functionality and helps to better regulate our emotions. Some studies on writing to heal even showed participants lowering their heart rate and blood pressure. In addition to biological effects, there are also psychological effects. Research showed both short-term and long-term mood was positively impacted. Even though at first some participants felt sad just after writing, they reported it as a distant sadness, akin to watching a sad movie where you feel sadder yet wiser after watching it. Long-term mood changes showed participants reporting greater happiness, less depression, less rumination, and significantly less anxiety. In addition to biological and psychological benefits, researchers also noted behavioral changes like increased performance on assessments or tasks, an increase in working memory, and improved mood prior to stressful events. One study in particular I found interesting, especially when thinking about our challenges as people living with MS. Because research shows that the more unexpected and unwanted a change was, the more likely writing was to yield positive effects. In one study, participants were middle-aged men who unexpectedly lost their jobs after working for the same company for over 15 years. This was clearly an unexpected shock and many felt angry, abused, humiliated, and defeated, as if everything they had been working for for so long was gone in an instant. In this study, half of the participants were asked to write about how it felt losing their jobs in this way, allowing all of their deepest emotions to flow onto the page. The other half was asked to write about how they used and managed their time in a work setting, but not at all about their loss of livelihood experience. Months later, over half of the writing group was happily settled into new jobs, while only 22% of those who didn't write about their emotions over losing their job were able to find a new one in the same time frame. To me... This seems awfully familiar to receiving an unwanted and surprising MS diagnosis. Life, for me anyways, fell apart. Everything changed in an instant, and within two years, I was disability retired. I wonder if, as a newly diagnosed person, had I written about my diagnosis experience and all the emotions that came with it? If I would have been able to hasten my ability to move past the incredible stress and painful emotion to a place of being more at peace and a solution's orientation toward healing. Without this tool, it took about two years after my disability retirement to truly get my bearings and arrive at a place where I was ready to seek solutions. Throughout this episode, I'll share a few possible writing prompts for listeners to consider, and in a moment, I'll share the first. I'll also post them on our Patreon page, but visible to everyone so you can see them in writing, if that's helpful. If you're at home and have time now, you might even consider pushing pause on this episode for a while while you try writing. Prompt 1. Set a timer for 20 minutes and write about your MS diagnosis and all that led up to it. Let out all the emotions. Do you remember the moment you first heard MS as a possible diagnosis? Describe where you were and who you were with. What was your first reaction? Were you told this news with empathy or would you have preferred to be told a different way? What frustrations stand out to you about this time in your life, even if now it might be many years ago? Who was there to support you? And who didn't show up in ways you might have appreciated? How did your feelings about your future shift that day? Did you believe that certain aspects of your life disappeared in that instant? How have those feelings changed since then? These are all just questions to get you started. Take your pen, let your pen take the lead, and just write about your experience. Remember, this isn't for anyone else except you. There is no reason to share what you write with anyone to reap the benefits. Before I share other sample prompts, I'd like to share my vision for the upcoming writing to Heal opportunity, so you can start thinking about if it's something you might like to try. First, in February, we will each take a short confidential pre-assessment to look at both our current physical and mental health. We'll use a standardized quality of life, joy, and contentment questionnaire and True Medicine's MSQ, which is a standard MSQ assessment. By the way, MSQ stands for Medical Symptoms Questionnaire. This version has been amended by Dr. Susan and myself to include MS-specific symptoms. We won't share our scores. There's no need to but we will each have a quantitative and qualitative starting point to see how, over time, our mental and physical health shifts through writing. Each month, starting in February, we will look at several different journaling prompts. We will write on our own at our own convenience, and then come together the third Saturday of each month via Zoom at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern for an hour to discuss our thoughts about the prompts and how they may or may not have changed our ways of thinking or being. We will not share what we wrote, as that is highly personal and honestly not necessary to share, since we're more interested in seeing how we can each use our writing as a tool to shift our individual thinking. February through November, we'll engage with a variety of different prompts that cover a wide range of topics meant to create neuroplastic mind shifts in how we feel and act when faced with adversity. We'll write about challenging relationships, emotional upheaval, topics that we tend to ruminate about, explore a variety of narratives we can subscribe to about our illness and the role it plays in our lives. We'll explore prompts to encourage forgiveness of self and others, prompts to alleviate physical and emotional pain, and much, much more. Some months, there will be many options and participants will be asked to choose what feels right for them. Or if they want, they can try them all. Our last meeting will be the third Saturday in December where we'll once again use our diagnostic tools to quantify our growth over time and get together to discuss if and how writing has helped each of us. Does this sound of interest to you? I hope so. If you'd like to participate, reach out via our podcast email, which is mymsflock at gmail.com to indicate your interest. While there is no fee per se for this writing course, it is being offered this first time around exclusively to flock members. But that said, I completely support folks joining the flock until December and then leaving if you'd like at that point. To become a temporary or permanent MS Flock member, visit www.patreon.com/msflock. In full transparency, to be a member of our flock costs $1 a month. This small amount helps to cover Zoom costs, the RSS podcast publishing fee, and research materials costs, which really helps me out since I'm disability retired and no longer able to bring in a paycheck. So if you join the flock, February through December, just to participate in this Writing to Heal opportunity, that would cost you a whopping $11 to participate. If you are already a Flock member, remember there is no additional cost to participate in this Writing to Heal program. Just email me so I know you're interested and we'll go from there. Okay, now it's time for another prompt. If you're able, push pause on this podcast episode and set a timer for 20 minutes. Remember, I'll post prompts on our Patreon page for your convenience. And again, I'll make these sample prompts visible to everyone, even if you're not a current flock member. When you respond to this prompt, write about any or all aspects of the prompt. It's important that you choose what feels most relevant for you since you know yourself best. Prompt 2. What keeps you awake at night? What do you ruminate about during the day most often? What is that one thing that if you could change, you perceive that your life would be so much better? Why? When you think about this thing, where do you feel it in your body? Describe those feelings in detail. Imagine you were able to work through this challenge. How would this change impact your life? Is this one thing something at all in your control to change? If yes, write about how you could take the first step towards change and who could help you on the journey. If no, imagine how you will feel about this one thing in five years, ten years, beyond. Are there aspects of this thing you could learn to accept and coexist with? What aspects could you come to peace with so it no longer occupies so much of your brain space? Are there any silver linings of this challenge that you might be missing and could lean into more? Part of my ongoing research involves lesion mapping and how the location of our lesions in our brain impacts how we're able to think through and respond to the various hardships we face living with a chronic illness. The science is not there yet to do this comprehensively, and yet we can connect the dots somewhat using research from different experts. When we know what part of our brain is most impacted by our MS and we cross-reference that with the types of difficulties and symptoms we are having, whether they be cognitive, sensory, involve emotional regulation, or are related to our current level of physical abilities or physical pain points, we can find appropriate journaling avenues to promote healing. This is what I'm hoping to figure out and will share when I've found reliable evidence to back up this theory. For now, I hope that learning a little bit about how journaling can help us heal and shift our mindset, you'll be inspired to pick up the pen and join me for this adventure. What are you thinking? Is this something you'd like to try? What is your inner voice telling you right now about your interest in trying to heal through writing? Do you believe it's possible? Let's share two more prompts before we go. Prompt three. Speaking of our inner voice, let's dive deeper. Set your timer for 20 minutes and start writing. Remember, you can choose part or all of the prompt, whatever feels right to you. And again, I'll post all the prompts shared today on our Patreon page, visible to everyone. Prompt three. My inner voice. What does my inner voice sound like? Describe it in detail. What does it tell me most often? Take a moment to write down its most common phrases, especially the ones that you might hear when you look in a mirror. Exercise. Rest. Are running behind schedule. Or are feeling down or make a mistake. Is what my inner voice says actually true? How do I know it's true? Cite the evidence to support your claim. Is my inner voice kind to me? Kind to myself and when it's talking about others? How do I feel when my inner voice talks to me? Are there things about my inner voice I'd like to shift? What would happen if I started paying more attention to this voice and accept that I have control over how it speaks to me and how much I listen? Whew. That's a heavy one, but if you're like me, you'll learn a lot about yourself writing to that prompt, and it may yield a way forward to learn to train your inner voice to speak more like a Buddhist, which is, before you speak... Let your words pass through three gates. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And that's a great way to monitor both our inner voice and our outer voice in how we communicate with others in our lives. The last journaling prompt I'll share with you today is a great one to try when you need to make a decision and are stuck. This prompt was originally shared with me by my incredible cranial sacral therapist who learned about it at a workshop a few years back. The prompt is credited to neuroscientist John F. Evans. When my therapist shared this prompt with me, she said, and I quote, This is a great exercise to practice with anything you are ruminating about. I define ruminating as being stuck in an eddy in the river. And this exercise pops you out of the eddy and allows you to continue flowing in the river of life. It's a powerful tool for increasing health as well. I've used this prompt many times over the past few years personally and with friends and family. And I will say this prompt consistently yields a better way forward when feeling stuck. Longtime listeners may remember this oldie but goodie from episode three. Set your timer for 20 minutes and choose the decision or issue that is most bothering you right now. Then write, When I think about... and insert your problem here. Then, for each of the following done in order, you'll spend at least a few minutes letting your ideas flow organically. Even if what you are thinking doesn't seem to make sense or be relevant, let it out, and put it on the page. Anything that comes to mind is the right response. When you think you're done with each prompt, read it again and give yourself just a little more time to get anything remaining out. Many of us are uncomfortable with silence, and yet some of the real gems of knowledge and understanding live in the silence and can only be exposed through sitting in silence for a moment. Okay, so here we go. When I think about blank, whatever decision or issue you chose, one, I am aware that. Two, I find myself paying attention to. Three, I accept that. Number four, I have affection for. Number five, I appreciate that. And number six, I affirm that. This journaling process is so simple, and yet its power should not be doubted. I encourage you to try it when facing any challenge, but especially one that involves mindset or something that you are ruminating on and can't seem to let go of or arrive at a favorable outcome or decision. I hope that after listening to this episode, we all, one, understand the incredible healing power of journaling. Two, that we take some time in the coming days to test out the four sample prompts shared here to see how we respond to writing as a healing tool. And remember, I'm making them all visible on our Patreon page if you'd like to see them. Three, that if we'd like to participate in the Writing to Heal opportunity starting next month, to reach out via our podcast email to get yourself on the list. And four, if you don't feel this opportunity is for you or the timing doesn't work, that you'll still consider experimenting with journaling like I did last year, just to see how it might create welcome shifts in your thinking to make life just a little easier and more joyful. Our next Misunderstood Flock meeting will be Saturday, February 5th. At the flock meeting, we'll discuss this episode and other episodes released this month and spend time together supporting one another as we all strive to live well with MS. If you're not yet a flock member but would like to be, join us. We are all people living with MS that meet via Zoom the first Saturday of each month to support each other. You can learn more and join us by visiting patreon.com/msflock. As always, I encourage all listeners to reach out with questions, comments, future podcast topics, or guest ideas via email to mymsflock at gmail.com. And lastly, remember, as we travel through life this year with MS, we're certain to hit some turbulence. We'll get through it, especially if we're flying together, supporting one another. Thank you for listening, and until next time. Be well.